Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello, everyone, and welcome along to our latest episode of the RTGA podcast. Myself and Rory are delighted to be joined by Ursula Jacob and Brendan Cummins to look ahead to a phenomenal weekend of All-Ireland Hurling semifinals and Camogie quarterfinals. And Brendan, it does feel weirdly like it's it's not an All-Ireland semifinal weekend. It's just the quietness around. Perhaps it's to do with the counties not putting themselves forward for media. But I can't remember a year in a build up to an All-Ireland semifinal that has been as quiet as this. Yeah, I suppose it's it's kind of, I can see from both sides of the coin, Jack, to be honest with you. I know from a player's point of view, you're protecting the family, which is the group, which is the 35 or 40, and the manager, I suppose, is always trying to stay away from the media as best they can. <clears throat> um, I suppose as somebody who would have went out front and centre of the media, I never saw it as being something that affected me. I mean, Declan Kyle would have told me years ago that you're the one who writes the headlines on Monday, not the journalists. So the way you play on Sunday would determine what they're going to write, in other words. So I can see where they come from. but then. I look at where I am now on the other side of the fence, I suppose, not playing. And Don Logan, a lot of us involved in Hurling over the last three or four months have bemoaned the fact that Hurling isn't being put front and centre, that the GA isn't doing anything to help us. We need a Hurling development manager. We need all this stuff. And then there's radio silence from the participants in the All-Ireland quarterfinals this weekend when it should be on the first two or three pages, like it was only 12 months ago again when the Rugby World Cup, I think it was, and we had to go four pages in to find the All-Ireland Hurling final. Uh, pull out. So I think there is an onus on everybody to make sure the health of the game is kept front and centre. Um, so I would be disappointed in not coming out. I can see why. I can understand that if I was a manager, I might be taking the same stance and saying to hell with you. But from where I sit now, looking back in on the game, it's just a pity that, you know, there isn't that extra bit of hype that would be built up by managers having press conference, players coming out, characters and personalities flourishing. And to be honest with you, none of the players that are playing on, on Saturday or Sunday are shrinking violence. It wouldn't affect any of them, I think, to come out and say, well, I think we'll do this or the other crowd will do that. You know, they're, they're all big boys now. So look, it is for the, 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 I suppose, the advertising and promotion of the game. You're right. It is a, it is a media blackout. It's, it's not a great space to be in now. Mm, I just I can understand Ursula exactly as Brendan said I totally understand why it is I just wonder who are the custodians of it and who makes the decision because it's very hard to put pressure on amateur players to say you have to do this it's certainly not on a contract that they have to do it but nothing is going to change unless somebody says these are fundamental charters that we all have to sign up to and this has to happen. Yeah, and I think Brendan makes an excellent point in relation to we're missing out on that the personalities, the characters that are within these teams. The only opportunities we really get to maybe have a chat with these guys now is when they come up maybe after a game or after the All Ireland at the banquet. And I just think we're missing those elements. You know, these guys, and I'd even say for the Camogie side of things, you want to get to know the players. You want to see the person behind the player. You know, I know myself when I was playing, I never uh, minded speaking to the media, anything like that, because I felt that was part and parcel of it. From a Camogie perspective, you were looking to push the game even further. So if, the, if it was uh, gathering any media attention, you were willing to speak. So I suppose it is disappointing. It feels eerily quiet 
um, you know, the build up to two of the biggest games uh, of our GA calendar. And, you know, we're all really, really looking forward to it. But it just seems like we're going into, you know, um, into the unknown, not really knowing how the camps are feeling and how the players are feeling. So I'm just hoping that the games will live up to what we expect are going to be massive games. But yeah, it's it's a little bit underwhelming this, this week, really. It yeah, is exactly. Rory because it's nearly sorry, Brendan. I was just going to say, like two more weeks ends of this, and it's gone, gone, you gone, Jackie. Like, and it's um, it is disappointing. I'm surprised that some of them. I mean, uh, Brendan makes makes a, a a very good point in that a lot of the teams, Limerick particularly, Kilkenny, no different. All the fall four teams, they all have very mature players who are well able to talk, who are very articulate, who are very smart guys. They're all very intelligent men by and large and like it I don't really know what the risk is my big fear is that it might affect the attendance to a degree in that like I'm not like, like Galway Limerick will be okay because that'll be you know look it's Galway Limerick it's such a big fixture and I think that'll 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 hit your 50k but Kilkenny Clare might you know you might have a, quite a small attendance for what will be all-Ireland semi-finals and as you said like you only have two weekends of it left and I just think sometimes the GA maybe need to take a slightly more proactive role I saw Mick Foley with a really interesting exchange there with Gavin Cooney about how the GA were looking to try and um, it bringing their own newspaper back around the turn of the last century because of the lack of coverage. And effectively, within 100 years, it's taken that long. We've seemed to have gone full circle where they don't seem to want coverage at all. And I don't know how you get to that stage in it. And I just think it is, there is an onus of responsibility on teams to promote but the game as well. Like I always remember Pat Daly once upon a time saying to me that your 15 inter-county players in your panel of inter- they're the best games development, they're the best games promotion officers that every county has. That's the best way to promote the sports in those counties and to not utilise that on marquee events like All-Ireland semi-finals and finals seems like an opportunity lost. Hmm. Yeah, sorry, and, sorry, Jackie, just think, when Ursa touched it there, these are all amateur players. Like if I'm 22 or three years of age, I'm looking for a job coming out of college or university or whatever. Yeah. I'd like to be out there and people see me as being articulate, intelligent, able to make a point clearly, able to sit in front of me. And they all can. It's not that mm. any player, you could take one to 40 and any one of the four panels that are there this weekend and put them in front of the media. And none of them, I'm sure, would let you down because they're all more, I, I suppose, media literate than maybe I was back in the in the 90s and 2000s, right? Because they used to look at Twitter and seeing all this kind of stuff, right? But it's a way of promoting yourself as well, because all of these guys are looking for jobs and looking yeah. for a high profile jobs. And if they can show an, a future employer, look, I can handle myself in this situation. And I have lead. I have leadership qualities. Exactly. I'm, I work well in a team. Communication. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, all those stuff. So look, I, I just think it's an opportunity lost for players and overall for the game as well. But uh, I've no doubt, like Ursa said, Saturday and Sunday, I hope we'll make up for all of that. Yeah, well, look, let's get into the nitty gritty of it then. And starting with that Saturday game, Ursula, like I think Rory's right. This game sells itself. I think lots of people have been waiting to see what this Galway team can bring. But also Limerick, you know, they've been slightly off colour all year. Is this the weekend that we finally see the All-Ireland Champions in their true colours? I think so. I think Crow Park seems to bring the best out of this Limerick team. You know, uh, some of those guys like Hegarty, even Lynch, uh, Peter Casey have been maybe quite at times during the, the Munster Championship. And I think 
um, th this game on Saturday, I think we could see the very best of these Limerick players. You know, they've had the past month now to reflect on how the Munster Championship went to prepare for the semi-final. And they're well used to this. They'll have used those four weeks really wisely. Um, their preparations, I'm sure, have went really well. But yeah, they're up against Galway, you know, I was looking back at the 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 most the three most recent championship meetings and Limerick obviously came out on top on in all three meetings, but there was only at the very max three points separating the teams. So like Limerick know that if Galway if the Galway we know that can bring that consistent performance uh, across the 70 minutes, um, Limerick know they will have to, you know, put in a huge, huge performance. But my worry with Galway is that consistency. It's drifting in and out of games. They've been doing it all year. They were very inconsistent. And they should have put Tipperary away the last day. They were eight points up after 50 minutes and somehow tip clawed their way back. And, you know, in the end, there was only two points separating the sides. My worry, if that happened on Saturday... Limerick don't give you that second chance. They pounce, they're ruthless, they're, they, you know, they, they thrive off that challenge. So for me, Galway are going to have to bring the very best to get one over on Limerick on Saturday. What will they have learned, Brendan, from last year? Because Ursula's right. There's still something in this Galway psyche that can't kill teams off and they definitely won't get that chance against Limerick. No, they won't. And I think the big question for Henry and, and Richie, uh, the, the coach, is what are they going to do with Cahan Manny? Like last year, they positioned Cahan Mannion nearly at left, way, left half back to stop the run of Galan. Galan got four touches, got four points. It was six points to one. What they didn't factor in was if you have seven backs, Limerick have seven backs as well. So you allow one of the Limerick players to look up and ping the ball in. And they were absolutely roasted for the first 12 or 13 minutes. Then they changed and they pushed up and hey, presto, they got better. So the formula that Betsy Bray, the great respect to my colleagues and Tip, Limerick are further down the road. They're more composed in possession. They won't hit the ball 70, 80, 90 yards down top of Cotton Mannion and, uh, uh, and McInerney in the boys. They'll ticky-tacky the ball around on the time is right for the Gwyn, Flanagan and Galan will make the run. So the start, the way you set up is the first question. I think that Galway will probably have to push up and take a chance. Because Mannion sitting there, he'd be like a dead duck on the edge of the D with the way Limerick play. The second thing is, if they do that, their subs then in the finish are going to be the ones to have to finish the game. Last year, David really killed and came on and scored three points. The subs Galway brought in simply didn't get him across the line. Now, Tom Monaghan coming on against Tip was a huge plus. Henry said it after the game, my panel, my bench, my 40. We went to Ennis last weekend with a training camp. He's putting huge pressure on the lads coming on because he knows last year that's what caught him. That's what beat him. Limerick's bench was better than theirs. So I think they're better positioned this year um, to, to come from with 10 minutes left to be a point or two in it to say, right, I'm going to put on Tom Monaghan. I'm going to put on Jason Flynn if that's the way it's going to go. And they're going to make an impact, which he didn't have last year. So I think Galway have come further down the road. But I would agree with Ursula. I still think Limerick will have too much of them when push comes to shove. Even without Declan Hannon, who's a massive loss from whatever about Sean Finn being gone, Hannon is massive and certainly will give that Limerick or that Galway dressing a huge, a huge boost to know that he's not going to be taking the field. Yeah, well, when you think about what Limerick don't have, Rory, that's what makes this all the more impressive. Like five in a row in Munster, first time since that Cork team in the 80s. And to do it without some of those leaders that Brendan is talking about has been impressive. So how does John Kiley go a step further and pull it off even now uh, and beat a, a team that genuinely must give him concerns? 
Definitely will give him concerns. I watched the game last night uh, between Galway and Limerick from last year. Brendan was on Cocoms. Actually, one thing that should be mentioned was we had celebrities in the crowd last year. Um, Bill Murray rocked up, and one of the oh, yeah. th- one of the things that I was extraordinary, <laughs> I was extraordinarily. <laughs> impressed with was the fact that Marty knew that he appeared in Cloudy with a chance of meatballs but uh, <laughs> not Groundhog Day though no bro, he mentioned yeah. Groundhog Day as well like I mean that was that was an absolute thing yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but um but like last year they were without Keen Lynch uh, who only came on quite late obviously carrying a big injury Limerick have shown that they can cope with absentees now look that's taking out a huge chunk of their defence with Finn and Hannon obviously I, there's a bit of a conundrum does he drop Kyle Hayes back to the half back line and then maybe push Dan Morrissey out Richie English potentially coming in in that full back line, he has options. He's not going to be bereft of quality and choice when it comes to that. Now, will they be of the same level? That's the big question. I think a key thing last year, Jackie, and Brendan mentioned it in the commentary, in the first 15 minutes, I thought Galway should have been seven or eight points up. They were all over Limerick in that mm. first 15 minutes, but they couldn't convert. And I think that's ultimately what did catch them as well as the bench. Like they didn't convert the chances that they had. Like you have to remember in the 66th minute, four minutes of normal time remaining, this game was level. Galway were right in this. I mean, Limerick didn't score for the first 10 minutes of the second half. There's a big change in that Galway forward line since then. Tom Manahan, as Brendan mentioned, has lost his place. Now with the three points from play the last day coming on against Tip, there is the potential that he may start this time round. I don't know. Brett be interested in Brendan and Ursula's view on that. Um, but a big thing for me is they've got to start converting those chances. One other thing that I do think is worth mentioning, and again, I'd love everybody's view, and I'll tell you who needs to have a big, big game this weekend is Hawkeye. We had a farcical situation last year in the first half of that game where it was 9 5. For five minutes before Thomas Walsh was attention was drawn to the fact that a Ronan Glennon point had gone wide. I think Hawkeye was called on maybe four or five different occasions. We've seen data unavailable. We know Wimbledon is on. We know the Ashes is on. We know Hawkeye is going to be flat to the mat. Hawkeye needs to behave himself this weekend because we definitely do not want controversy on that front. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And for something that costs €8,000 uh, a go, I don't think the GAA will put up with any more um, mishaps, to say the least. What about those other two points that Ursula, or that Rory raises then, Ursula? Be keen to get you and Brendan's opinion on Tom Monaghan, what does he do? And Kyle Hayes, what do Limerick do with him? So both of you, let's get your opinion on what you reckon both managers will do with those players. Well, as Rory and Brendan said, you know, Tom made such an impact, those three vital points against against Tipperary. I suppose Henry has highlighted all year the strength and depth, and he's really, he knows himself that maybe there were a lack of one or two players. I suppose Brendan even would have said the last day, like Connor Cooney is another player there that's in the bench. He's been off colour maybe all, all year, but... He is the type of guy that could come on, on on Saturday and make a big difference as well. So if Tom Monaghan did start, um, you know, I would be still looking to the likes of Connor Cooney in, in, in reserve because he he can be a top player for Galway. It's that consistency and maybe confidence. He's a real confidence player. 
Um, Galway would need him, I think, on the field at some stage on Saturday. But he's so capable of scoring maybe two, three points easily. So I think he could actually have a big impact on this game. Like Jason Flynn is out through injury, so that's an attacking option gone. So I wouldn't be surprised if Tom Monaghan did start. Um, but it's always good. I think the bench is going to make a difference. I said it the last day, like Galway have scored 416 from their bench in this year's championship. Like that's really impressive, and it just shows that they have built a stronger squad. Um, but they need to match that against Limerick because we know that Limerick have these guys like Cahill O'Neill, Adam Hogan, uh, who David came Reedy. in in the Munster final and mm. uh, scored three points. So Limerick will always have the guys to back it up. Um, in relation to Kyle Hayes, to me, it seems like the natural person to slot into that centre back position. I think he's very comfortable uh, in that role. Um, he's well used to playing in the half back line, and he's. He, he, he's got that physical presence and he's probably going to come up against Keenan Fatty, who, who is that guy who can win that primary possession on the puck out. So that's something that Limerick are going to have to be very mindful of. Mm. Brendan, what do you reckon? Um, I think it's the way that the, the, the modern, well, I say the modern game, every every week it seems to be getting more and more modern. See the dubs in the football the weekend. You look at the, the bench they had and how they finished. I think Henry's looking at that and, and it is a, a risk to take, but a risk worth taking, I think, to leave Tom Monaghan out and say, right, with 15 minutes left, you're coming on. And tell the group, when this fella comes on, we're no longer throwing in the towel, we're throwing in somebody who's going to absolutely make a difference and push us over the line and home. And it'll give them that boost because I always talk about when the stewards come around the outside of the stadium, you know yeah. there's 10 minutes or so left in the game. And if you've won your big hitters coming in, and Coney's the same way now. Coney, I'm very disappointed with him with the last 12 months nearly, that Conor Coney needs to do more. Nyland's done really well taking the freeze. He's been He's given Galway a huge push on. For Limerick, Limerick's big decision is, well, I think Kyle Hayes will play at six, but I just wonder who they'll play as the seventh defender if mm. Cotton Mannion sits, and that could be Dara Donovan. I don't think Kyle Hayes, with the size of him, whether he's able to be, um, I don't know, patient enough to stand in acres of space all by himself. He'd want to be involved. He'd want to horse up the field in a big solar runs like he's doing. You need a guy who's going to spray the ball Never around. stopped Hannon now either, to be fair. No, it didn't, but they never played with an all-out seven, True. which they might have to do. Uh, yeah. And it's a different thing. And I said to Cahill Mannion the last day, and he plays a bit with the club, but it's way different, Jack, when you're down there standing on the pitch with 50, 60 yards of grass around you and nobody near you, and you have to stay there. And you have to stay there and watch what the inside forwards are doing. So there's a discipline in that, but uh, I think Hayes will be at six. And I, if I was Henry, as hard and all as it is to do, I'd bring Tom Monaghan on and I'd have all the big guns coming on with 10 or 15 minutes left and take the chance. You might as well go down taking that chance is go the other way and not have a bench to come on. Yeah, well, you're absolutely right. It is going to be... One so player incredible. as well, there, Jack, Jackie, just one other thing. One player as well, I haven't watched it again. Like I know, obviously, Limerick are missing, um, are, are going to be missing Sean Finn and Declan mm. Hannon. I think David Burke's display last year, particularly in that first half and the energy that he gave them to really establish themselves, give them and give Galway a foothold in that game. That'd be a big loss too for Galway. He, just his leadership, his experience, everything about him. You know, he was obviously the Royal Ireland winning captain. So I think, look, their team, the both teams are missing players on either side that are key to them in different ways. And it's just, I suppose, who manages to cope best on the day. Yeah, all oh, lads can't wait. I genuinely am yeah. counting oh, down the wait hours for, for it. It's yeah. like it, it feels to me like this has the potential to be the game of the year. Yeah. So, and if that one doesn't deliver, then the second one surely has to give us something as well. Because Kilkenny Clare, I, I, I don't know, Brendan, how you feel, but it seems to me like Clare have all of the tools, 
everybody's talking about them in the right way. They have everything that they need. Last year, they, you know, delivered really early in the season. But when it came to crunch time, they still didn't deliver in Croke Park. Clare need to perform in Croke Park to prove to their fans, to prove to themselves that they can do it. So the big question is, do you reckon they will? Um, yeah, I think a big plus from John Conlon, I would expect all things being equal, will be will be fine and clear to play. That's a big help to them. The second thing is, which I don't think they, they underestimated last year, the, the aerial dominance and physicality Kilkenny bring. And the game in Crow Park is played a lot different to what it is in the Munster Championship, in that your two inside forwards, our back, sorry, are isolated. And it's very hard to get somebody back in. And the way Kilkenny play is, the ball goes into the danger zone inside your 21 a lot, a lot, a lot. So they try to win puck outs, we'll say, on your 65, which they're well able to do. This all last year, TJ, I think Jackie, I watched the game again last night and Jackie Turtle was calling him the octopus and he was right. Yeah. You know, it's now you see it, now you don't. And you see a defender actually coming down <laughs> thinking he has the ball and then he goes, oh, shit, I don't have it. <laughs> and then in the other direction, he just rolls it over the bar. So again, he did what they liked last year with Claire. I think the problem Claire has had was that they played too far up the pitch. There was mm -hmm. too many spaces, too many people were isolated one-on-one. -on -one, so the aerial threat became even more magnified. I think Clare will fix that the next day. Uh, of course, Cleary missing on the edge of the square is a problem, I think, for Clare. And if they can fix that with um, Cody inside, uh, I don't know whether Mossy Keown is going to be okay to, to play or not. There seems to be a hamstring injury going on with him. But the aerial threat Kilkenny will bring inside the Clare 21, if they can deal with that, I think Clare win. And if they can't, well, then Kilkenny will score goals and then they have a problem. But I think all things being equal, I'd favour Clare this time because after the beating they got last year, 226 to 20 points, they have to be like lunatics going into this game. And I think that might be enough to get them all to the line. I think that's one huge uh, motivation for them, Ursula, no doubt about it. But I think Brendan is absolutely right. It is going to rain balls on that full back line. And if you're looking in there, you've got TJ inside there, Owen Cody, maybe a Walter Walsh. Like if Conor Cleary can't play and Claire are left wanting in the back, Kilkenny have already scored 14 goals this year. They could bang in another few on Sunday and this game could be gone from them. Yeah, and that's where Clare have looked most vulnerable at times in that full back line. And, you know, we saw how Kilkenny completely opened up Galway's defence um, in the Leinster final. And they're, they're well capable of that. Um, I don't think Clare will be maybe as flat or, or as poor as they were last year. They're going to be hurting massively from that. You know, they didn't do themselves justice. It was nearly like they still hadn't recovered from the Munster final loss last year. I think the game against Dublin kind of gets them back on track, gets the confidence going again. You know, the injuries would have been the worry for me since the Dublin game because they didn't have David McInerney, Conlon went off, Conor Cleary. That's three big players from your defence as it is. So for me, if I, I'd agree with Brendan, if they can get you know, dominant in that full back line, I think Kilkenny will be in trouble. But I think it's the lessons that, that Clare have learned since this time last year. And the big thing was, you know, Tony Kelly had such an off day last year. Mikey Buckler obviously tagged him everywhere he went in the field. He didn't score anything from play. So I expect Tony's going to really, really be chomping at the bit to get going on, on Sunday. I'd say he's going to have his pal alongside him again, though, Rory, because uh, it he worked will. last year. Yeah, it did. It did work. But like the great thing about this Clare team is as much and all is, is he's a, this just incredible talent. I don't necessarily see them being the one man show that maybe Tony might have created that impression around Clare in times gone by. I was just looking through their top scorers. Tony Kelly, 532, obviously. But if you go down through it, Aidan McCarthy, 127. Mark Rogers, 417. Shane O'Donnell, 110. Even 
even David Fitzgerald, 11 points, all from play. I mean, they are, the, the biggest problem that Clare had was last year, the they just were on the floor after the Munster final. They emptied themselves in what was one of the greatest Munster finals I've ever seen anyway, certainly. And you could see the lethargy in their play when they kind of struggled over the line against Wexford in that quarter final. This year, I think they came out and they put a bit of a, a reddening on Dublin and they kind of showed, look, They've recovered a lot faster, a lot better. I think their mental state is probably in, in a much more positive frame of mind. And I don't envisage a flatness in the performance that we got last year in last year's semi-final happening this Sunday. The issue for them, and look, we all know it. Are Kilkenny going to perform badly? No, they're not. Kilkenny never do it's never a case that Kilkenny do not perform. If you're going to beat Kil, if you go back to the last time Kilkenny lost an All Ireland semi final, it was against Cork in the 21, right? Cork had to beat them about three times before the stake was finally driven through them. That's the way they are. They're just incredible in that even when they might necessarily have their greatest teams, just the basic skills, the hook and blocking, getting their bodies in, that spirit that they always have, you are not going to beat them easily. Claire will have to be at the pitch of it. I do, I think Brendan is spot on. I think the embarrassment of last year and the no-show will surely give Claire some sustenance going into Sunday and I'd expect it to be unbelievably competitive, impossible to call. I do think, though, with Derek Ling being in there, like Kilkenny have their own motivations for this, Brendan. You know, like he wants to lay down his own marker with his own team, the things that he wants to do. Like people are talking about a lot of other teams' motivations and Kilkenny will probably be happy enough that they're sitting quietly in the background. But I'm sure that he is absolutely bursting to put his own mark on this team. Well, he is. And if you look at um, at the, at the history in, in sport, I suppose, when... Alex Ferguson left, David Moyes took over and was an absolute car crash. Brian Cody leaves, Derek Ling takes over. I don't see a huge amount of a dip in aggression, in anger, in the way they're going about their business. Billy Drennan has, has entered into the fold that now he should have his injuries all cleared up, was unbelievable in the under-20 championship last year. He's a big plus for him now. If Mullins' tongue has cleared up, which I hear it might be, he's a big plus as well. So Derek Ling is going, do you know what? This Kilkenny steam juggernaut keeps going. Like Rory said, it's in their DNA. I've given years in dressing rooms going, why can't we be like bloody Kilkenny? Hard to beat. Why do we collapse, break? Mm. Like, do you know, the double centre sweets, hard on the outside, soft on the inside crap. Do you know, they are not that. And the reason they're not that is that they can win their own ball. They'll a high ball drop somewhere under pressure. TJ will come out in the middle of a crowd, like I said earlier, and he'll catch it. And he breaks momentum. They can break your momentum. There'll be four and five fellas chasing down Clare lads. And how Clare deal with that pressure cooker. But Derek Ling has done a fantastic job in keeping continuity, in seeing no major change other than, yes, they are going shorter on the puck out. Yes, their cornerback is scoring goals and matches, which mightn't have happened under Brian Cody. There is an absolute freedom. And you know what? Those Kilkenny players as well. If I was a Kilkenny player, I'm saying, right, Brian was fantastic. But Derek is the next up. And we trust him. We want to make sure that he gets across the line and no one's given out about him after 70 minutes. And he's he's fostered, I think, a great team spirit within the group and bedded in perfectly, as, as I knew he would, because he's extremely, extremely good. And you will see them do 
things, Jackie. I've seen them do things that you wouldn't have seen under under Brian Cody. You will see them, you know, try a short line ball. They'll maybe try a, a, a short free to try and open a bit of space up. They will play the odd short one. Like, they're adding different facets to their game that maybe Brian Cody would have been slightly more reticent about allowing to happen. And he was very much more, you know, look, let's 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 be slightly more direct. So, but they're not as Brendan is hundred percent. Like they're not going to ever go away from their core beliefs, and that is, you know, you go there. If we win eight, nine, ten out of the individual battles, we'll win the game. Mm. Yeah, sorry, on the, the league final, Jackie. Just when they when they played that league final against Limerick, and they got clipped, Derek still brought on new fellas in from the mm -hmm. bench. And if he was an inexperienced manager, he'd have panicked and went, oh my God, I need to put on TJ Reid. I need yeah. to put on this fella. I need to show like that I'm trying everything and to win the match. He was so in control of what he was doing. And for me, that was, you know what? That's really impressive. Like you're building for the future. You know, this game isn't the be all or end all. You're planning for later in the year. And here we are. Yeah. Well, this one is the be all and end all for them. So with that in mind then, Ursula, if all of that is going to happen, Kilkenny are going to give an eight or a nine out of 10 performance anyway. If you're Brian Lowen and you're sitting there tonight, what do you have to do to win this game? Well, I think uh, Clare will need goals. Um, and I think they they have that threat going forward. And I think in particular around that middle third where David Fitzgerald, Ryan Taylor, Cahill Malone, these guys are running at pace. And then you've got the likes of O'Donnell, Mark Rogers, Tony Kelly, these guys then running off the shoulder. And that's something that I think, uh, you know, Claire have in their back pocket. And I think they have the potential to get two or three goals here um, on Sunday. It's not, It won't be easy. And I don't think Kilkenny are just going to allow them walk through. But I think Claire have that ability. They have massive pace. They have massive power going forward as well. And they they have that kind of flair as well, that if they get going and they, they get a good start, which I think is going to be key for Claire because... They, they started so poor last year against Kilkenny that they, they know they have to hit the ground running. And I think, as I said, that victory over Dublin will, will kind of lead them into this game nicely. But for me, goals are going to be vital for, for Clare on Sunday. And I do think they have it in their back pocket. You know, Rogers is on form as well. Aidan McCarthy, if he's playing, Tony Kelly. As Rory said, it's not just, you know, uh, one man up in the forwards who can do damage. Kilkenny are going to have to be stuck to all six forwards on, on Sunday to keep them uh, from scoring some goals. And tradition, and Jackie, I know, like, I'm, I don't want to offend Dalo here, no, but I was, I, and I should have checked this, I think you have to go back to 1997 for the last time Clare have beaten Kilkenny in the Championship. This is a long time, you know, like, no, no disrespect to Dalo's generation, like, that's, you know, and tradition does count for something, you know, like, this game is tight coming down the end, you know, a point or two in it, you know, are Claire thinking, oh my God, it's Kilkenny. And that can weigh a little bit on players, uh, on players' mindsets, you know, as you approach the final hurdle. Yeah, I, I can totally understand that, Brendan, but I get a sense from what you're saying that you think this team are mentally capable for it, but physically capable and ultimately have the tools to win this game. Yeah, I think Claire has to win, to be honest with you. I know everyone has to win that Ireland semi-final and it yeah. is the be-all and end-all, but for Brian Lowen and the project, he's taken them so far. I mean, I think he can walk on water and Claire, like he's Christ Almighty, to be fair to the man. I saw him walking before the Munster final, he went up to do the interview and all the Claire supporters in the section stood up and just clapped and cheered and the whole lot. <laughs> I'm the county manager. I want to be like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you think of all the things that have happened along the line, we'll say the misfire of the goalkeeping situation in Ennis today, right? Gave a fella a goal, didn't really work out. 
the Munster final, right, where they left the full back line wide open for as long as they did. Galan went to town, right? Still unwavering support for the manager. Even even last year, Brendan, did he land yeah. land a young lad in for his championship debut? Oh, who, yeah. Yeah, you know, he was so young and thought he was Patrick to time against Kilkenny. Um, but at the same time, everyone believes in Brian Law. Why? Because his tradition, he he's he seeps Claire Hurling out of him. He's just so teak, tough, strong, mm. doesn't give a shite about anybody else. Say what you like about me, I don't care. I won't <laughs> win. And you know, and that's why that's why I suppose in a lot of ways, if if Claire can win this, it would be a huge plus for the support that he's gotten and 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 what he's done for this Claire team. You know, they've they've been really good. And on that basis, I think they they really, really, really have to win this one. Kilkenny after can say it was our first year. They've done their Derek, we've done really well, we won Leinster final, blah, blah, blah. But I think success has to be for Clare getting to an All-Ireland final. And uh, I think that might be enough to drive these players across the line and get them the point or two win that they'll, that they'll need. Imagine what they'll do if he wins in All-Ireland, Brendan. They'll have a statue I, I, erected to him. I, I imagine what they'll do if they meet Limerick in the final again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what way the statue would be, but I'm in concrete. We'd be looking out over the town, looking out over the stand. I don't know if he can pull this one out of the bag. Oh, look, we'll stall the digger for a while on that one anyway, till after the weekend. Um, the other remaining fixtures this weekend, Ursula, the All-Ireland Camogie quarterfinals as well, which I have to say I'm glad to see is forming a double header this weekend as well, which is good profile for the Great. game. It's much needed. And it, like as Rory said, if these games are not going to be full in Croke Park anyway, you might as well go and see if you can get the absolute maximum of them, bring another couple of teams forward. And there's no bigger game than Cork Kilkenny to do that as well. I think that's a, that's a huge game to have that uh, before the hurling this weekend. 100%. And obviously Kilkenny will be thrilled that, you know, they might get that little bit of extra support and that might, you know, tip the balance for them in the camogie with down the home stretch and the, the, the Kilkenny crowd are coming in as well. But look, these two teams seem to bring the best out of one another. You know, they've dominated camogie alongside Galway in the last kind of 10 years, really. And, you know, they've met 10 times in the last, you know, in the last 10 meetings, you know, uh, Cork have won six, Kilkenny have won four. So it's very, very even. There's always really only a point or two between the teams. Um, I think a big thing on Sunday is going to see and Thompson feature for Cork. Obviously, she's missed a whole year with Cruciate. She's like one of their leading players. But is she match fit? Is she ready? Um, you know, she she can have a big bearing on this game if she, if she is playing. Miriam Mulch is missing for Kilkenny. Obviously, she's out with Cruciate. So a lot of the scoring has been down to Denise Gall and she's looked unstoppable all year like she's been unmarkable and I've loved the fact that she's been kind of playing more on the edge of the square and I think that's something that Cork are going to have to be really really um careful about because she is lethal she can score points goals she can set up scores so for me um that's something that Cork are going to have to really watch but I'm really looking forward to the game it's going to be hard to believe come Sunday evening one of these teams are going to be out of the championship um you know I was looking at the, the last 20 years and Cork have been in a semi-final or a final the past 20 years. I think the last time that Kilkenny didn't reach a semi-final was 2012. So we're not used to seeing the likes of Kilkenny Cork not reaching a semi, but I suppose that's the way the draw went. Um, And it's, you know, it's Tip's opportunity to get maybe one over on Antrim on Saturday because Tip have been kind of pushing uh, for the semi-final final spot in the last number of years. So it's all to play for, but I think we're in for a cracking game on Sunday. It was kind yeah. of, um, it's been it's been for Kilkenny that game against Wexford 
um, when they threw it away in the last two or three minutes, we'll say that's really where it's has landed them where they are now. And I think for that reason, I'd be saying that Cork, I think, would would have enough to um to get over the line. I'm just not so sure where Kilkenny are at. I mean, if Bears Downing, he's done a, a good job and and a draw against a draw against Tipperary as well, who are absolutely flying now in the have been going really, really well. But down in Nolan Park, normally Kilkenny would have beaten Tipperary, like, you know, but Chip would be delighted to get the draw. But uh, overall, that game against Wexford, I think, is the one that will probably come back to haunt, haunt Kilkenny. The, yeah. And look, the, they're all Ireland champions, though, Rory. Like, you just don't know what this team are going to bring at the weekend because Ursula's right, they can turn it on like that. There's only a point in it last year, Ursula, wasn't it? Yeah. Between the two teams in the final. So it's, there's not going to be much in it. And we did a piece with Denise Gall. She was the nominee for Sports Person of the Year a couple of years ago. And she mentioned um, that one of their games was played in advance of one of the men's games in the lead into it. And it was their first experience, really, of that roar when a score went over the bar. And she said, like, the very first time it happened, it was almost frightening because they'd never experienced it before. And, like, I think that's going to be a great thing for all the players on Sunday. Now, <laughs> I just hope the Clare crowd give, the Cork, give, give Cork a small bit of support because <laughs> they'll be obviously well outnumbered and it'll be a great opportunity for people to get in early. Um, I think it should be a great contest. I do think it's a little bit of a shame but it, that one of these teams is going out so early. But sure, look, that's just the way, as Ursula mentioned, the draw is... Having said that, I think it's important for Camogie that new teams come to the fore. I mean, it's a while now since your team were up there able to compete, Ursula, and I think it's important and it's great to see that Tipperary Wexford potentially are back in the mix to try and add a bit more depth into that championship. Yeah. And I suppose even just to say Watford reaching, you know, they're straight through to the semi-final. Yeah. And Watford, yeah. Yeah, exactly. you know, Watford beat Cork in the Munster Championship this year. I think the likes of Watford and Tip are not too far away from um, from these top three teams. I think Tip, if they can get over Antrim on Saturday, I have a feeling this is going to be Tip Shear getting into a final. Yeah, and Antrim is a big story for Antrim as well. Like, I mean, we're talking about developing the men's game, getting teams up. Antrim is 41 years since they've gotten to the to this stage of the of the championship and there's a huge buzz up there around it and they'll see a big opportunity beating Tipperary on Saturday evening as well although in fairness to, to Tip Dennis Kelly's been doing magical work with the with the girls they've been the drive is back uh, within the group and they've been doing really really well but it's great to see Antrim flourishing as well in, in Camogie and getting to the big stage and getting into Crow Park and getting a, a go out there against Tip Hmm. Last thing on this, Ursula, one thing I did notice in the run up to it is obviously there has been protests ongoing. The Camogie and ladies footballers all year have been playing under protest. In fairness to them, they are continuing to play in the championship, but we've seen disruption to throw in times. We've seen them wearing T-shirts. We've seen them standing together at United. And I, from what I see this week, it seems that the men are certainly standing alongside them. I don't know if that's going to continue into the weekend, but it has been, I think, a big positive for a lot of the female players to see that their male counterparts are now standing with them. I think it sent out a really strong message and I'm I'm delighted to see that the male side have come out in support of the, the Camogie players and ladies footballers because, look, I've been fierce proud of how the girls have handled the situation over the last number of weeks and they've, you know, it's building up momentum and I think it's going to be great at the weekend as well. I've no doubt they're going to do some do something similar, whether it's you know uh, delay the starting time or stand united together. But to me, it was very strong that it was it was very important that the guys came in and backed the women because they understand. W- would the likes of TJ Reid, Keen Lynch, any of these guys, you know, settle for substandard uh, mm-hmm. supports? No, they wouldn't. You know, so it's it's important to recognize how important that the girls should be fully supported and backed as well. 
Um, and I hope that things will start to happen soon rather than just the constant talk around it. Obviously, integration is going to massively help, but we can't wait for integration to happen for all these supports yeah. to, to come in play for, for the camogie and the ladies footballers. So, look, I'm very proud of how the girls have handled themselves. And I just hope that, you know, the Ladies Football Association, the Camogie Association, the GA all start to talk together they need to be united now. Like the players, they need to be united and listen to the players because the players are at the heart of everything. The players are who matter and the players who drive on the game of camogie and ladies football. And I think, Jackie, as well, I think, um, I know Ursula mentioned about integration and potentially that is something coming down the line. I, you you guys brought it up on the nighttime programme with Paul Flynn a couple of weeks ago and I thought he spoke brilliantly about it in terms of what Jarlett Burns should basically have top of his intray when he takes over as president. I do think that's a big part of all of this. I don't think integration can happen fast enough. I think... Uh, Having three separate associations is just daft. I think the one is, I know it's complicated. I know there's issues around how you integrate assets and mileage and you integrate finance and integrate facilities and all of that. But look, if it works at ground level, I'm involved in a club here. We've operated a one club policy for a long time. Everybody gets treated the same. The girls, the boys, we just run a hierarchy. Championship trumps league. League trumps a challenge match and a challenge match trumps friendly and it doesn't matter if it's male or female. It's a simple policy. It seems to work in most clubs. I don't really understand how then it gets that complicated when it gets further up the food chain and as soon as it happens, the better as far as, I can, as, far as I'd be concerned. Mm. It's just a case of when though, Brendan, you know, like I am hearing that Mary McAleese is, is doing her utmost to try to, to make this thing happen, but they're still in a listening phase from what I understand until the end of 2024. I heard Ashley Marr, the Dublin Camogie captain saying players just can't wait that long. You yeah. know, like you've got players who are in the prime of their career in their late 20s at this stage. If they have to wait another four or five years, we're going to see the intercounty careers of some of our best ever players dwindling before our eyes because they just won't be able to afford to keep playing this game. No, they won't. And I remember initially when the GPA um, were, were muted. I remember going to Mallow to a meeting. I think it was James O'Connor was was down there as well as chairing it. And a number of representatives were picked. And we were in a kind of a dusty back room of a hotel in Mallow having this chat about what was going to happen about player welfare and all that. Um, and now I think what will be needed is a pathway. I think what everyone wants to see is progress stage by stage by stage. And there's a lot of noise when players are playing. I mean, you can have the protests and, and it's right to keep the drum banging and that's vital to what the, the Camogie Association, what everyone is trying to do. But the key will be in September, October, November. They're the key times to keep this on the agenda as loud as it is today because that's exactly what's going to need to happen because when players stop playing, it's like they go back to their clubs, they go back sheepishly, all this kind of stuff start happening. Administrators start doing their thing again and start administrating. I think every one of us, that has any voice, I suppose, across any network needs to keep the drum banging here and force a pathway. And if there's Mary McAleese, all of those great advocates for it will keep doing that. But they can't just do it on their own as a figurehead. They need the support from the bottom. And I, I believe change is coming and I believe change will come quickly this time because that drum is not going to stop banging them. Here, here. I hope yeah, you're right. Here, here. Lads, we'll leave it there. Uh, looking forward to a brilliant weekend. It is going to be absolutely magic. Ursula, Brendan, thanks a million for being with us. And uh, we'll chat to you on Monday where Rory hopefully will have had a magic weekend of hurling and camogie. Look, can't wait, can't wait. Yeah, talk to you then. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road and that's not going to be taken away from us. But what I love in hurling, I love players that will never give in. He hits it, he hits it!